Welcome, church. We thank you for joining us online. We want to encourage you to continue to join us online in worship each week. You can join us on Facebook or on YouTube, or you can go to our website. You can go to cornerstonechurches.org. We also want to encourage you to continue to be the church, to love God, to grow together, and to serve others. Amen. And we are so excited to be here together as we lift high the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. And we are going to be concluding our Heart Talk sermon series as we hear some wise words from the heart of a mother to her child in Proverbs 31. And as we begin and prepare for that, I want to read from a little earlier in Proverbs, from chapter 9, where we see two other women, each personified, one as wisdom and one as folly. And this is what Proverbs chapter 9 says. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Whoever is simple, she says, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now, the woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. And the one to which she calls, he does not know that the dead are there with her, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Today, as we worship our King, as we hear His truth, we want to pursue life and the wisdom that leads to life as we discern how to listen to the wise who are speaking words of life to us. So let's pray together, church. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you God, I thank you that if we need wisdom, your word tells us to ask. God, that you say to ask for wisdom and that you give generously without finding fault. So God, I pray that you would give us wisdom in this time, Lord, as we navigate what is this new normal. And God, that you would give us wisdom, the wisdom that comes from on high, the wisdom that comes from you. So God, I pray that as we worship you this morning, God, that we would rise above the circumstances that we're facing. And God, that we would spend time with our creator, the God of the universe, the all-wise, all-knowing God. We thank you for this time, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, church, we would invite you where you are to stand, to raise your hands, and to sing out praises to our King. Let's worship in song, church.
all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot see save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise, Praise the, the Lord.
prayer that those words would be the words that we cling on to right now, Lord. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence in my life. Lord, it is our prayer that that would be what we dwell on. Lord, we pray that those words would just permeate our hearts right now in this season where it's so easy to be isolated and to not trust in you, Lord. I pray that you would give us a, renew, a renewed sense of purpose to love you and to learn your word and to spread that word to people, Lord. Lord, we are so thankful that we have the means to, to have a service like this with technology, Lord. It is such a blessing, God, and it is our prayer that during this time when the church is so threatened to be torn apart, Lord, I pray that it would be stronger with this, with this technology, Lord, that we'd be able to have fellowship and to learn your word, to dissect it and apply it to our lives, Lord. We are so thankful that you have supplied us this medium so that we can all worship you together today, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just teach us stuff today, Lord. Just speak to us and allow us to listen and take it in, Lord. It is your name that we pray. Amen. Hello, Cornerstone family. It is so good to at least come together in this way. We love you. We miss you very much. And for those who are connecting in uh, that don't even go to our church and you're online, thank you for coming. And thank you. You are welcome to join us at any point. And we've got a lot to celebrate. And we can even celebrate during this trying time. And we've heard from a lot of you about your life groups that you're still meeting. Some, a lot of you are using Zoom, and they have been exciting. It's been really neat to see how we've overcome this distancing to still be the church. And I've really enjoyed those video encouragements. If you're on Facebook, then you've been seeing these from people in our church giving praise to God, reading his word and praying. I am so excited about that. I want to thank you. I want to give, rather a thank you, I want to give a shout out to Matt Potter. He's the chairman of our church. He's been driving those videos and uh, those have been exciting. This Monday, March 30th, you're going to be able to find it online. It's also been emailed you if you are part of our email group. Uh, the elder-written devotional called The Life Giver. It starts Monday. We really want to be encouraging you to get into that devotional. It's been written by our elders. And let the Lord really work in your heart a preparation for our Easter service. You know, it's been really exciting for me and for elders and for pastors to call the elderly in our church, to call them on the phone. And we've been saying to them, listen, if you need us to go to the grocery store or you need us to pick up your medications, we'd be happy to do that. And every single time they keep telling me, you know what, we've been called by so many people in Cornerstone. So many have invited us to call them and let them know when they need help and that they would do anything they want. That's what it means to be the church. That is exciting to be in this church called Cornerstone. It's how we love God. It's how we grow together. It's how we serve others. And we don't need to just be the church within the walls of Cornerstone. We need to be the church to our own community as well. Did you hear from WFMZ or did you hear from Facebook that our In Stitches ministry is 
sewing masks for healthcare workers. That's been pretty exciting. We're so thankful for that idea and so many people responding to that. Well, I hope that you're reaching out to your neighbors. Can you give them a call? Can you ask them, is there anything you need? Is there anything that you can do for them? That's just a way that we can love our neighbors and our community. We had a UPS driver come by today to deliver a package, and my wife went out. She had a sign for it. And you know what she did? She said, listen, I want to pray for you. And she raised her hand and extended it towards that UPS driver and prayed for him right there. And she got done, and he just looked at her and said, thank you. I really appreciate that. This is a way that we can be the church even in the community. I really believe, and I've been saying this, that when we are through with this pandemic, Uh, When the Lord brings this to a stop, I think Cornerstone is going to be healthier. I think we're going to be stronger than we've ever been before. And when we come back in person, it is going to be such a joy for all of us. I want to encourage you, if you have not yet gotten onto our website and signed up uh, the connection card, uh, that will ensure that you get our communications Our newsletter that comes out, our Cornerstone Connections, our emails, you will get all the information that you're going to need to get. So I want to encourage you to sign up and to be part of that as well. Let me just give you a couple FYIs. We have decided to relocate our Easter service. As you know, it was going to be at the State Theater. Uh, Now it's going to be online. And we're going to give you a lot more information about that over the next couple weeks. So be ready to receive that information. But we're looking forward to celebrating Jesus, the life giver, Easter morning. Also, we're asking you to continue to support our church with generous giving. You can imagine that the needs of our church are just as many as they ever have been, maybe even more. And uh, we need those gifts, so I'm going to just ask you to give generously, and you can give online through our website. You can mail a check in. We still receive those, and that gets counted uh, into our offering. But you can do what's my favorite, and that is what my family does. We use bill pay service through our church, and that way nobody has to pay a fee. Ordinarily, through online giving, the church has to pay a fee for each gift that comes in. Your bank uh, bill pay, that doesn't happen. So that would be a great way if you want to give and you want to support this ministry. That would be one way to do that as well. Well, what a time for our church to rise up and show the world how great our God really is. And with that, I want to invite each and every one of you, wherever you are, you might be watching this on your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your television, wherever you are. You could be listening to this in in your truck while you're driving through our podcast. We've got people that do that as well. I want to encourage you, if you can, if you're not driving, to get your Bibles open. And let's get to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Now, I can almost see through this camera. And I can see some of you not opening up your Bible. So I want to encourage you right now, get a Bible, open it up. Proverbs is almost in the middle of your Bible. Get open to Proverbs 31. And we're about to bring an end to our Heart Talk series. Last week, we looked 
at our incredible God from Psalm 46. It's a psalm that gave us five names of God, each of which reveals an aspect of his nature. Well, today we come to the end of what has been for me personally an incredibly effective sermon series called Heart Talk. It's really forced me to really examine the words of Jesus that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks, Matthew 12, verse 34. And we've been grappling with all of these, ser- all these sermons in this series. We've been trying to come to grips with Proverbs 18, verse 21, which says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Well, today we're going to see what a life-giving mouth looks like as we listen in on a mother who aims to shape her son's life so that he will live the right way. You might have heard the saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well, parents, our words are seeds that plant into the soil of our children's hearts. And they have an incredibly powerful impact. You know, before we get going, let me tell you what Proverbs 14, verse 1 says. It says that the wisest of women builds her house, but folly, foolishness, with her own hands, tears it down. Well, we want you to be a wise woman. I want to be a wise man. We want to be wise parents. And wise parents build. But there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Have you ever thought of that? Could you actually articulate what is the difference biblically between those three? Well, those with knowledge collect and they remember And they access the right information at the right time. That's what it means to have knowledge. But understanding is the ability to extract meaning from that information. To be able to build principles from that knowledge. But wisdom is different from knowledge and understanding. Wisdom is the God-given ability to apply knowledge and understanding in any given context that you find your life in. So you can have knowledge without understanding, and you can have understanding without applying it, but wisdom brings all of them together for a life that is lived well before the eyes of God. That's the power of wisdom. And as we begin to look at Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to see a king who shares with us the wisdom that his own mother taught him. I'm going to show you five principles from this mother's wisdom as she spoke life from her heart into the heart of her son. Here's the first one. Are you at Proverbs 31? We're about to look at verse 1. Here's the first principle that we need to learn. This mother spoke words of responsibility to her son. Now I'll explain what I mean by that. Let's read verses 1 through 2. Let's all do it together. Proverbs 31, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, 
my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Now, I read that purposely with a little bit of a rhythm, a little bit of a cadence, because I want you to notice that there's a progression in verse 2. There's a progression, and it goes like this, my son, and then my son of my womb, and then son of my vows. This mother is escalating each one of those. She's emphasizing more greatly each one of those. The king's mother, Lemuel's mother, affectionately tells him that he is the son that she dreamed of. Moms, I know you can say the same about your children. Dads, I know you can say the same. I can say the same about all four of my kids. They are the children that my wife and I dreamed of. But then Lemuel's mother adds on to that. She says, you're the son that I bore from my own body. For nine months, I had you in me. And then she says even more greatly, you're the son that I have given over to God, the son of my vows, the son whom I have vowed to raise right. Now, parents, have you done this? Have you recognized God has given you your children to raise them right, to speak life into them, to teach them that they have a responsibility. This mother's heart beats with a love for her son. It's not even measurable. And she's about to correct him. She's about to admonish him. But she won't do that until she underscores just how much she loves him. Just what a responsibility he has and she has before God. You know, I love what Josh McDowell once said. He said this, rules without relationship equals rebellion. We've got to work on our relationship with our children We've got to make sure that they know beyond a shadow of the doubt they are loved by us, but they also need to know they belong to God and we are raising them for him, that they would live right. In a loving relationship, it can bear up times when we've got to correct our children. Now, if you're a child, if you're a son or a daughter, a teenager, maybe even a young adult, and you're listening to this, and you're wondering, well, why do my parents still correct me? Why do they still counsel me? Why do they still admonish me? It's because they have a responsibility for you, and that responsibility never ends. But a relationship that they have with you, that you have with your parents, it can bear up underneath that correction. And a wise parent who speaks life will often express his or her responsible love for her child. Mom and dad, can I ask you a question? How often do you tell your children that you love them? How often do you put your arms around them and tell them how important that they are to you, that God has given them to you to raise? You know, I grew up in a family, and that was a generation where my dad rarely ever told me he loved him. In fact, I can't remember him ever doing that until the years right before he died. It is powerful. 
And this mother speaks words of responsibility to her son. She loves him. She bore him. And she has given him to God. But there's another principle, and we're going to move on. This mother spoke words of passion to her son. We look at our young children, and we cannot ever imagine them walking away from how we raise them. But they often do. And we who are parents, we did the same, a lot of us. We walked away from the way that our our parents raised us. But children, I want you, and I want you to hear this for a moment. Proverbs 10 speaks to you, sons and daughters. It says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. You see, Lemuel, he is a king. He is an adult now. He is the top leader and ruler of his nation. But he began to live contrary to how he was raised So his mother, three times, asks him, What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Verse 2. And these questions aren't of a curious nature. She's not trying to get information from her son. She is sharply correcting him. What on earth are you doing, Lemuel? This is not how I raised you. Why are you living this way? This is a passionate mom. Repeated three times like staccato beats. She's making him stop and examine his heart. For all of King David's successes, and I'm sure you've heard that David was a man after God's own heart and in most ways, he was such an incredible man. But for all of his successes, parenting was not one of them. And his sons lived so defiantly. One of his sons, Adoniah, tried to take the throne unlawfully, even while David was still alive. And we're told in 1 Kings 1.6, and parents, I want you to listen to this. This is what the Bible says about David's parenting. He had never disciplined his sons at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? That's not good parenting. Wise parents speak. They get below their children's behavior, down to their hearts. They address the hearts of their children. They confront the behavior so that they get them to the hearts. And this mother, the mother of Lemuel, she is aiming at her son's heart, even as he is an adult. And she is passionately speaking to him. She doesn't hold back. And she's about to admonish him to change his ways. Principle number three. This mother spoke words of correction to her son. In 1869, Louisa May Alcott, some of you are going to recognize her name. She wrote a very famous classic book called Little Women. Some of you have probably read it. There's a line in that book that goes like this. Boys will be boys, young men must sow their wild oats, and women must not expect miracles. 
I'm going to tell you something. The mother of Lemuel would not have agreed to the last part of that line. She was expecting a miracle. Our wisdom-speaking mom expected change in her son's life. If a child is sowing wild oats, then those weeds need to be uprooted and life-giving seeds planted. Do not give, verse 3, do not give your strength to women, she says. Don't give your ways to those who destroy kings. She gave it to her son straight. She says, you are on your way to destruction, Lemuel. In the area of impurity, you need to stop. It's amazing to me, and I've been counseling for about three decades, a little over actually. It's amazing to me how a parent can freeze up when their teenage son or their teenage daughter or their young adult child begins walking in a, in a harmful direction in life. They, all, they say nothing at all. They just hope that their behavior changes. But wisdom speaks Wisdom is willing to correct. There's a relationship that can bear it up. And this mother warns her son. He's heading toward his own ruin. In fact, the phrase, look at your verse 3 again. The phrase destroys kings. Do you see it in there? It means to rub out or erase. It means to be completely removed. A child might grow up. And he or she might accomplish a lot of really great things in life. But if you end your life poorly, if you allow impurity in your life, it will erase, it will rub out all the good that they did. It was the immorality of Solomon that brought God's judgment and split Israel into warring kingdoms. It ultimately led both of those kingdoms to bondage and exile into a foreign land. You see, a life of impurity leads to bondage. Parents, do you want that for your children? The immediate answer is absolutely no. Well, you have the power to speak life. You have the power from wisdom to interrupt the direction that your children are taking and make them stop and hear what God has to say. But there's a fourth principle from this mother. She spoke words of caution and words of counsel to her son. Look at verse 4, if you would. Proverbs 31, verse 4. Let's all look at it. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. You know, you might find it interesting that the brewing of beer and the fermenting of wine goes all the way back to 4,000 B.C. It's been around for a long time. And alcohol and, believe it or not, drugs 
were a problem in the ancient world. The word sorcery in the Greek means, it's the word that gives us pharmaceutical or pharmacology. It's drugs. And they go back to the ancient world. It's not just a problem in our modern lives. And while we're in this pandemic of COVID-19, I want to tell you I've learned that wine and beverage stores are being wiped out. People are trying to buy. I think they're closing down. But people made a run on these stores trying to stock up on all their alcoholic products. Well, Lemuel's mom had seen that her son began to look for happiness in a bottle. He lacks self-control. And that has proven disastrous to countless leaders. His mother cautions him, alcohol will affect your ability to make sound judgments, to rule well. You know, the ancient Carthage people had a law on their legal books that no magistrate of theirs should ever drink. The Persians permitted their kings to get drunk one day a year and never on any other. In Athens, the lawyer Solon, very famous, created a law that put a prince to death for drunkenness. Christian, I want to tell you that the royal children of God must possess self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. In fact, the New Testament says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now I want to tell you something. Lemuel, the mother of, or rather the mother of Lemuel, she was no teetotaler. She didn't preach total abstinence from alcohol. Neither does the Bible. But she's telling her son, the king, that strong drink is for those who are dying. Those who are on their way to execution. She counsels that it is for those who are poor, those who are miserable, to soothe their grief and their distress with alcohol. They've permitted for that, she said. She's not recommending that if you're unhappy, if you have a depressed day, if you're miserable this week, go ahead and drown your sorrows and get drunk. We know that only increases sadness. That's not what she's saying. She's telling her royal son, the king, don't stoop to the level of a drunk. You are the king, Lemuel. Keep your head clear so that you can judge well for the sake of your people. Fathers, you're the leader of your homes. I'm the leader of my home. Mothers and fathers together, we are the leaders of our homes. It is not for us to get drunk. No Christian should ever get drunk. Is it wrong to have a beer? Is it wrong to have a glass of wine? It's your conscience that needs to decide that. But we should not get drunk for alcohol impedes the ability to lead our children well, to make sound judgment. But if we're not careful, we're going to get from this sermon 
the same exact moralistic message that preachers have been giving from their pulpits for centuries. Avoid wine and women. That's what a lot of preachers just get down to. And some are going to leave this message. And they're going to feel really good about themselves because they haven't touched a drop of, of liquor for years and they haven't lusted after a woman for a decade. They're going to feel really righteous. And then there's some that are going to walk away from this sermon having just looked at pornography or just having struggled with alcohol and they're going to feel like they're the worst of sinners. Why am I so bad when everybody else is so good? I want to tell you that King Lemuel's mother is not just giving her son a list of moral do's and don'ts. She's reminding him who he is. He's the king. He's the son of her vows. He belongs to God. She reminds him of his identity. And we would do really well to let her words do the same for us. Christian, you are the child of God. You are one that God set his sights on before he created the world. He has given you new life. He has given to you a new heart. He has provided a new family and adopted you into that family. And he has put the Spirit of God into your heart to teach you how to have wisdom, to teach you how to take knowledge and understanding and apply it in every context. He is strengthening you to live in a way that is worthy of his name, that has self-control, that has purity, so that you can serve well in the kingdom of God. That's your identity. That's my identity. It's not fitting for a child of God, a brother or a sister of Jesus Christ, to forget who we are and embrace sin. But to respond to the gracious words of wisdom, and if we've failed and if we have sinned, to be restored, to be forgiven, to be washed again by the blood of Christ. You know what's really interesting is that I can tell you and unfortunately from experience at times, that when our lives deviate from the norm, which is happening for all of us in the midst of this environment, in the midst of this pandemic, a lot of us are having to work from home. A lot of us have maybe a little bit more time. I'm going to tell you that the devil capitalizes on that. That when your life isn't the normal, structured life that you've become accustomed to, you better watch out because here comes temptation. Here comes more stress as you're home with each other. And that stress often triggers temptation and the pathway to sin. Maybe you're not working right now. Maybe you're wondering how you're going to be able to make the money to pay your bills. I'm going to tell you there's, there's going to be triggers in your heart that say, I'm going to go to my refuge. I'm going to go to my false God. I'm going to go to my idol. And I'm going to let that idol soothe my troubled heart. That's a trap and the devil wants to bring it to you. You are a Christian. You are a child of God, and he will give you everything you need to live in a way that pleases him. Trust him. 
Pray, get into the Word of God more than you ever have. Let the people of God come around you. Like Lemuel's mother. She gives the voice of wisdom to her son. The same voice that God is speaking deeply to your heart, to my heart. For all of us who struggle with sin. She is saying, be cautious and listen to my counsel. But I've got one more principle that I want to share with you. And here's what it is. This mother spoke words of purpose to her son. Look at verse 8. This is so powerful. Can you follow along in your Bible while I read this? Here's what it says. She says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. During this pandemic, I have seen people recoil from me in fear as I've gotten within that six feet, as I've forgotten that six feet of social distancing. I've seen looks of terror on their faces. I had to go to Ace Hardware this last week to get a few bolts. And I asked one of the guys, I forgot about the six feet, and I got within about three feet, and I asked him, do you think these are the right bolts because I had the original with one with me, and I look, I look up to his face, and he had a look of fright and terror on him. And I said, hey, I think I forgot about the six feet. He goes, yeah, I think you did. So I stepped back, and I said, hey, are these the right bolts? He goes, yeah, they're the right bolts. I don't even think he looked at them. We're in the midst of a pandemic. I had a funeral director decline doing a funeral this last week. Because he was afraid of getting the virus and bringing it home. So Christian Cornerstone, I want to tell you, I hope you listen. Yes, we should practice social distancing. We should be wise. We should be prudent. But we cannot disconnect. We cannot forget that there are people in need. We were born again for a time like this. And we've got to rise up and be the church. And our mom's earlier advice to her son, avoid impurity, practice self-control, don't get drunk. It all led to her speaking purpose into her son. Here's what she's saying. You are the king, Lemuel. You've got to live your life for other people. A godly mother's teaching is not just a constraint on evil. It doesn't just put the brakes on sin in her children's life. It puts a, an accelerator for good. It is a force for righteousness. In fact, the word power, was, or, or poor rather, in this passage, it was used in the literal sense for someone who lacked material goods or material necessities. But I want to tell you what happened to that word poor as it went through the generations and the centuries of the Bible. It actually came to mean, the word poor, someone who lacked power, who lacked the ability to change their life, who was vulnerable, who was downtrodden, who had no one to defend them in court or to speak up for them in the community. Those were the poor that the Bible speaks about. But when you get to the New Testament, you see this 
general attitude towards those who are poor, that they were actually despised. In fact, Plato, you probably have heard of him. He was a Roman statesman, a philosopher, a a lawyer. He tried to legalize the banishment of poor people. He tried to cleanse the land. He tried to get them out and across the border into somebody else's nation. But I want to tell you that God's heart beats fiercely for the poor and the downtrodden. Listen to this from Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Do you know that God listens to the voice of the poor? Lemuel's mother tells him twice. Look at your verses, 8 and 9. you got to speak up, Lemuel. You've got to open your mouth for those who have no voice. You've got to speak for the unborn. You've got to speak for the victim of racism. You've got to speak for the poor. You've got to speak for the kids being sold into slavery in the Lehigh Valley. You've got to speak for the kid being bullied in the rooms and in the hallways of your school. You've got to speak up for the elderly. You've got to speak up for the unwanted. You've got to speak up for the sick and the victims of crime. This is what it means to be a child of God, a child of the King of Kings. The royal child of the King of Kings will defend the rights of the poor and needy. We speak and we do what is in our power to do even if there is a personal cost to ourselves. Parents, speak words of life to your children no matter what ages they are. Love them so well that they can bear up under words of your correction that sometimes you're going to need to give. And remind them of their responsibility, the vows that you gave them over to God, that they are the child of the Heavenly Father, that they have a responsibility to live well, that they belong to God, that Jesus is not only their Savior, He is their Lord. So let's aim our words deeper than behavior. Let's plant them into the soil of our children's hearts. And let's be willing to speak words of correction, even if it hurts them. When we see them walking into impurity, we give them words of caution. We speak into them words of counsel. And we speak purpose into their lives by teaching them over and over how how a child of God should live on behalf of other people. This is heart talk that pleases God. These are words that can bring life to our families. Let me encourage you as you walk away from this message, don't walk away going, I've got to learn to try harder. Listen, the best thing that you could do, the best thing that I could do is to fall on our knees and plead for God. Give us wisdom. Because he says over and over, and he says it in James 1, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he will give generously without finding fault. But when you ask, 
Do not doubt. For any man who doubts will be like a boat on a storm-tossed lake that is tossed to and fro. Listen, ask for wisdom. No matter what ages your children are, learn to speak wisely and speak words of life and plant them deeply into their hearts. You will watch a crop of righteousness eventually grow. Amen? I hope you're encouraged by this series. I hope you rise up with us and be the church. Let us love God. Let us grow together and let us serve one another. Let's pray. Father, as I invite everybody in their homes to pray with me, Lord, I want to say on behalf of everybody, we lack wisdom. I certainly do. So we're asking, and we're asking you to give it generously. Lord, you're not going to find fault. You're not going to say, well, you should have asked years ago, and because you delayed, I'm going to delay. You will never do that. You will give generously. And Father, we are counting on that because we as parents, we need wisdom. And those who are children, whether they are small children, whether they are teenagers, whether they are young adults, Lord, they need wisdom. We need to cry out all together, Father, give us wisdom. Give us self-control. Let us have purity in our lives. Let us realize our responsibilities to our God. Let us be passionate for each other and our family. And let us live purposefully and give our lives for others who are poor and who are downtrodden and who are in need. That is a life worth living. May we be that kind of a church and love you and grow together and serve one another. We love you, God. We praise you, Jesus Christ. We invite you, Spirit of God, to help us walk more closely with you. And we say amen to the certain confidence that you will answer this prayer. And it's in the name of Jesus, your Son, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for that word. And I trust that the Spirit of God will root that in our hearts as he leads us into truth and leads us into speaking words of life to our children and to all those around us. Now, we're going to transition back into a time of worship through singing. We have two more songs, and we hope that as the word of the Lord has softened and prepared your hearts that you are able to lift your hands in praise and worship our king with us as we close out our service so please join us as we praise our god together
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the middle of the storm, not only are we holding on to you, but God, you're holding on to us. And God, I suspect that's more often than the case than not. God, that you are the one holding on to us. So God, I pray that we would be encouraged by your word this evening and by the worship, God, Lord, that we would continue to worship you in the words that we choose to use as we speak to our spouses, to our family, and to our friends. God, we thank you that you gave us your word, the word of life, God. And Lord, we just give you praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We want to encourage you to speak words of life and to continue to be the church. God bless.